Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 49. Today we are in Luke chapter 22. And I want to thank you for joining me perhaps for the first time or uh, visiting with me once again in this podcast. I appreciate the consideration and time to uh, hear the word of the Lord. And uh, I pray that it blesses you as he faithfully does through his word. So chapter 22 of the book of Luke. Now the festival of unleavened bread, called the Passover, was approaching, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make Preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs all furnished, make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of, of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. 
the Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. You see that that line there, when you have turned back. If you're familiar with the story of Peter, or who Jesus is calling Simon, if you're familiar with his denial of Jesus, Jesus is telling him in advance, you're going to fail, and when you come back, I want you to strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Notice here how Jesus transitions back and forth between how he speaks to him, calling him Simon, sometimes calling him Peter. Um, notice, notice that, and, and I, I think that when, when Jesus is calling him Peter, it's an endearment. Um, there's a, an intimacy, a personalness to it. Uh, Simon tends to be <laughs> maybe like if your if your mother called you by your your actual name, uh, your full name when you were um, being corrected or or being serious. Maybe I think of that here in that situation. Then Jesus asked them, "When I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything?" Nothing. They answered. He said to them. But now, if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. 
Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciple said, See, Lord, here are two swords. That's enough, he replied. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. What do you think Jesus was referring to here in avoiding the trap of falling into temptation? I I personally think that it was the moment in time that was coming very soon to them in which Jesus would be left alone, that his followers would scatter under the threat of persecution and imprisonment and persecution. I think that each of them was faced a a personal choice, a private um, moment. And would they be faithful to God in it or would they fail? Would they fall into the trap of the temptation that comes along with that moment? I think that's what Jesus is referring to here. Um, I mean, it could it could be many things, but um, I think there was a time coming very soon, as each of them would would see, and according to scripture, uh, they were they were bound, uh, destined, according to the word, that they would depart from him and he would be alone. But Jesus tells us in in scripture that, but he's not alone. He is with the Father. He has the Father. And the same is true for each of and every one of us who are children of God through Christ. That no matter who or what situation faces, face, faces us, we are never alone. Because we too have the Father who is, who is always with us. Especially in this Christmas season, we find ourselves... You know, we, we are familiar with the the name Emmanuel. And we often hear that around the Christmas season. And that means God with us. And so it's a, it's a wonderful reminder in the name, God with us. He is present with us. In verse 47, while he was still speaking, a crowd came up. And the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, 
Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Why, why do you think that the kiss seemed to... It didn't take Jesus by surprise. He, he knows, knew all things. Nothing was a surprise. But, I mean, he asked the question... And, and I believe that there's something in how Judas chose to betray. And Jesus asks a question, of course, knowing the answer, um, but it's not elaborated on. He just says, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Why do you think that... What, what's significant about that, that he would betray the Son of Man with a kiss. Verse 49, when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him. Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with him. A servant girl saw him seated there in the fire lot. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter exclaimed. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. You know, Peter is very um, confident in himself. And to a fault, because we see here that Peter was the one who said, I'll go, I'll go to prison, I'll face death with you and for you. And here we see the exact thing that Peter is made of. He has to face the reality of his weakness. He has to face the insufficiency of his might and his ability. And these moments where you come crumbling down, they're actually moments that are good for us. 
I mean, it doesn't feel good in the moment. It feels very terrible. <laughs> but they remind us of how desperately we need the Lord. And so what is meant to bring us harm, detriment, is actually a good thing. And any time that we rely upon our own ability, our own selves, we must remember those times where just like Peter, we faced those moments of insufficiency and then we lock eyes with the Lord just as Peter did. Now, remember, Jesus didn't sneer at Peter. He just looked at him. And so when we face those moments of insufficiency, we have to keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord. Verse 63, The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, Prophesy, who hit you? And they said many other insulting things to him. At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together. And Jesus was led before them. If you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, If I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, Are you then the Son of God? He replied, You say that I am. Then they said, Why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. So as we near the consummation of Luke's gospel, we are approaching in chapter 23 the crucifixion, the, the, the beating, and the death of Christ. So as we progress nearing the end in chapter 24, we are reminded of the life and the ministry of Jesus and the real reason for the season. And so I thank you for taking the time. I pray this bless your heart. And until next time, we'll see you. God bless. If it means that I'm close to you, I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you.